Hello and welcome to Core Women. My name is Dr. Summer Watson and I'm the founder of Core Women and I'm also an empowerment strategist for women. So if you're listening to this podcast to delve more into empowerment strategies, well, you're here for the right reason. However, Core Women was also developed because it's a special place that provides a unique idea of home for the hearts and souls of women. It's a place for us to share our strength, energy, wisdom, and authenticity. It's a place for women to find support and strategic empowerment ideas that will help support their lives. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Tanisha Smith, who is a motivational speaker of 23 years, human resources professional, entrepreneur, international traveler and culture seeker, mother of five, two-time surrogate, and 2018 Mrs. California Petite. Amazing. Let's get right into your story, Tanisha, and welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great, Summer. Absolutely. There is so much to talk about here, such as your personal journey, your journey into entrepreneurship, your adventures, children, your pageant history. So my initial question is, where does all of this passion, drive, and energy come from? Gosh, where do we start? I mean, I can say this is something, everything I've done is something that has been things that I've been working on since I was a real little kid. So pageantry is something I always wanted to do. I think I made up my own pageants in my living room, um, being that I had uh, eight siblings. So there's a lot of us. And so you have to do things to stick out when you grow up in a big family. Um, but the beauty we, of that um, too is you have an audience right there. I did. My <laughs> audience, well, when they're your siblings, they really don't want you to perform for them all the time, especially as much as I wanted to perform. <laughs> If anything, I was like the circus animal in the family, but it worked its way out. My passion, I think also for like things like traveling. Traveling has been a huge thing for me since I was really little. I remember sitting down on the floor and looking at the National Geographic magazines and flipping through the pages and kind of looking at the pictures of places I wanted to go. And granted, it was places I, I couldn't even pronounce at the time. Um, like Uganda, I remember that being a place on there. I was like, where, how can I, do I really want to go there? What is it about? But I really wanted to go. So I flipped through these pages and I imagined myself being in those spaces. And now that I'm older and able to go, it's great to be able to go different places. I haven't been there, but it's great to be able to go to different places and explore for me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get right into like some of your professional history here. You're a motivational speaker. You're a human resources professional. You're an entrepreneur. Talk about that a little bit and how that all, that interest came about. Good, good, good. So I was a teen mom. At 16, I had my first daughter. She's now 24. I had my first daughter and she, um, she having her just pushed a lot of things through. One, I was at a school that um, where I can bring my child to school, but it was also a um, like a, an adult slash skill youth program to where they had events where I was able to do a panel speak. And I was asked that I was 17 years old at that time. And I was asked to speak at different high schools about my experience of being a teen mom. And that was the first time that someone even gave me an opportunity to me. I was like, really, what do you, you mean? You want me to speak? I don't know how to speak to an audience of my peers, not alone um, adults. And um, my and teacher at the time, we had three teachers for this program. My teacher really encouraged me. She's like, you have a story to tell. You have so much. And at that time, I didn't even realize my own story. And so I was also working. I was going to school and I was working and I had this 
this child. And I was only 17 at this time. And she's like, you are actually, I see you doing so much more. She's like, there's a lot of other youth in this program with you that are not doing what you're doing. She's like, I feel like you can encourage people. Um, and then at the same time, try to um, discourage in a way for people, for people to have kids so young, maybe just hold off and then explain that to them. And so I did the panel. We go around to traditional high schools as well as continuation schools and talk to the students about my process. It wasn't just me. There was four people typically on the panel. I was one of the ones who went every time because I always wanted to after the first time I got actually excited to speak in front of people. The questions they asked didn't scare me. It was one of those things to where I was like, oh, you want to know? Let me tell you um, a little bit about myself. And so with that, what I did was I ended up going, finishing high school. I went to school and got my bachelor's degree in business management. I got a master's degree in human resources. And all throughout my career, I kept going back to the high schools and talking to the students. So what I've done now is I go in the schools at the beginning of the school year and kind of show that face, tell my story again, some see it students have been there from the year before, but tell my story. And then also I go back towards the end of the year because we get senior-itis and you get nervous. And there's a lot of reasons as a teen parent why you wouldn't go back to school or why you would drop out. And so I kind of give them that extra push and encouragement to remind them you're almost there. Oh, I love that. Those, thank you. Yeah, those things, that's, I mean, that's some of the things in the beginning about speaking. Um, my career-wise, I landed in human resources, what I'll say. Some people tell me, it's so hard to get into human resources. How did you get into human resources? And what I tell them is I really did land into it. I was at a company that was a startup company right out of high school. At a startup company, they, um, when you're at a startup company, you wear multiple hats. So there was opportunity to touch on um, HR things, opportunity to touch on business operational things. But uh, there was also um, opportunity to touch on trade shows and events, which was always fun for me. And so I just basically touched on a little bit of everything. And luckily enough, my career path moved me to a new position where my manager for the new role, um, after being there for three years at the startup company, my new role, my manager was HR manager. Now, the job I was going in there for was a um, coordinator to the entire site, about 300 employees, but they needed someone to be kind of an admin to the admins, if you will. Gotcha. What, I, what I lucked out was getting a, a, as a manager in HR who actually gave me opportunities in HR. And so he said, he saw my resume and said, well, you have a little experience in benefits. You have an experience in um, immigration. So um, can you help out? Can you help out with recruiting? And that gave me an opportunity to just tap into HR. Long and behold, I didn't have a degree at that time. So I talked about having my bachelor's and master's, but I didn't have my degrees at that time. I went from high school to working because I had my daughter and I was still um, working with um, working to take care of her. And then I went into and I was ha having extra kids. So by the time I was, let's see, I was 22 and I had three kids. Okay. Wow. And, and then by, was, yeah. Wow. And you were juggling. Okay. You I was juggling. I was on. juggling. And at, and at that time I was not married. So I had my first three kids um, and then I ended up getting into a relationship and finally getting married. And then we had two additional kids. That's <laughs> why let me do, let me speed you through this. I'm now 27 years old. I had to do something with myself. 27 years old. I had um, now at this point five kids and I was working on, I did have my bachelor's degree at that time because I got that between my fourth and fifth child. Got a bachelor's degree and then I said, I still need to do something else. I'm not where I want to be financially. So I went back and got my master's degree um, with my, my last, my fifth. Gotcha. It was, it was, it was a lot, a lot going on. And then surrogacy, surrogacy came about. <laughs> right. Okay. Will. Wow. So you're in this, you're 27, mm -hmm. five kids in, 
and now you're thinking surrogacy? You know what? I wasn't thinking surrogacy. To be honest with you, I was just going to work. I was going to work. I was um, being myself. And um, what happened was there was a couple, both mom and dad worked for the company that I was working for. And there was being an HR, you deal with a lot of leave of absence and different things going on. Now, granted, at the time, I was not a leave of absence administrator. My boss was. So that day that this first originally started was my boss came to me. He said, I'm going to be in a meeting around two o'clock. The father, um, this father, uh, he's going to come in. Unfortunately, um, they've had some problems with having um, kids, and the wife just lost another child. He said, this is not the first time. This is the third time here. He said, and typically we don't talk. I mean, you're in HR. You don't talk about situations that happen unless you need to know. And at that point, he's like, he felt I needed to know why I was taking the paperwork and making sure I had the proper paperwork. Um, and so he said, just, you know, you'll take the paperwork and then we'll talk about it later on because I want you to actually start taking on leaves of absence. And so I, and to him, he was just basically saying, let me teach you something. I'm going to train you after this and then give you a new opportunity. To me, I was like, oh, how sad that is. Right. So without a doubt, and granted, this is like 11 in the morning. By two in the afternoon, I had been thinking about it a little bit, um, but I had five kids at the time and my tubes were tight and I didn't know anything about surrogacy. So Dad comes in and he brings this paper. Oh my gosh, it's the face. He looks so just, he just looked drained. And um, he came in and he hands me the paperwork. And I said to the father, I said, this may not be the right time to ask you this or say this to you, but if you guys are ever looking for a surrogate, I'm willing to be your surrogate. And Summer, I tell you, and this is part of my story because I tell you, I looked up, I looked up in the sky and I'm like, what did I just say? Like, how am I going to be a surrogate? (laughs) Wait. Hold on, I haven't talked to my husband. Wow. I haven't, I don't know how to do this. I, does it work if you have your tube tied? Which it does, but I didn't know this at this time. Wow. And um, he, he sat down because he was originally planning to walk in. We've had this story after the fact, but he was planning to walk in, drop the paper off and go back to his wife who actually had a blood transfusion, emergency blood transfusion because it got so bad. Oh my God. Um, and he sat down into my, in my cubicle and he said, oh my gosh, thank you. You do not know how you know, much that means to us. I'll let you know. And long and behold, three months later, I hear from the mom who her and I had only had maybe one or two interactions. We've been in the company for years, but it's 300 employees. I know them by last name, right? I know the two by last name for the most part because I know everyone's last name at the company. Right. Um, that's just how I do my filing. Gotcha. But um, they, she comes over, she emails me to my work email and says, are you still interested? Would you and your husband like to have dinner with me and my husband and talk about this? So then I had to call my husband and be like, hey, by the way, <laughs> I offered to be a surrogate. Oh, well. Do you want to do dinner? And so, um, and at the time, you know, crazy in, in, in itself, we were going through things ourselves. And I was like, is this the right time? Should I really focus on this? And I said, you know what? God put this in my mind. I did not put it in my mind that day. The dad walked in. We're doing this. Um, and then luckily my husband agreed. Okay. Well, that, that is a huge decision. And you just put yourself right out there. And I think it was just something that just kind of came from within and you just couldn't help yourself and you saw his face and boom, that was it. And so you went through Mm -hmm. this whole process. You're juggling a job, a marriage, five children, and now you're going to be a surrogate. And then what? Then what did you do? So because, and my other question is, are you one of those women who actually does pregnancy well? Because there are other women who are like, oh my gosh, this was just the most difficult thing in the world for me. I'll never be pregnant again. It, it, for you, 
were your pregnancies all pretty, pretty decent in that? They were. Okay. Yeah, they were. And, you know, and that's why I did do it. I mean, I know some people say, oh my gosh, I forgot what, how horrible it was. Why did I do this again? But I actually enjoyed the pregnancies. It was something about me and also made me sit down. If you're hearing my story so far, I do a lot of moving around and pageantry and talking and I, I'm trying to do a lot of things. Pregnancy actually is like my hibernation period and something about it that always just made me settled and calm and I didn't need to run around so much that and I felt like I couldn't and I shouldn't. I should have just relaxed and that's what it did for me. I, so I enjoyed that feeling that I got. So sometimes I try to figure out ways to get that same kind of calming without ever being pregnant again. <laughs> right. Because <I'm> <laughs> right, my next question was going to be after you had said that, like, you obviously, you know, need some time to breathe, time for yourself because you are doing so much. And if this is one way that you can have that hibernation period and give yourself permission to say, it's okay to slow down here. Um, right. Have you found that in different areas of your life where you can say, it's okay to slow down here? And is that maybe be through your travel? Um, there you go. See, you're, you've already said, you answered the question. So yes, let me, <laughs> I went to I was going to marriage counseling originally. This is years back then. We were going to marriage counseling. And then from the marriage counseling, we would split off and do one-on-one counseling. So I'd get my time, my day, and it wasn't just us going together. And sitting in that marriage counseling, I remember talking there, um, the, excuse me, the individual counseling. And I'm sitting in there. It was all about me this time. Because so usually it was about us and right. how we can work things out and how we can get time and for ourselves and everything else. This was just about me. And her, the counselor and I, so we stopped marriage counseling um, after a while, and then I was just doing personal counseling. And the counselor and I talked one day, and she said, you know, what do you do for yourself? What do you do when you're not working, when you're not taking care of kids, when you're not, you know, volunteering, because I do a lot of volunteering as well, when you're not doing all that stuff, that keep taking your time. And I was like, I don't know. I like, I nothing? That's, that's a lot, right? And she said, that's too much, actually. And, and of course, at that time, I'm like, Oh, this is, I mean, I'm fulfilling all the things I want to do. And she said, I want you to actually sit with, sit with yourself for a little bit. Cause I need to find out if you like yourself. You need to find out if you like yourself. Yeah. And she said, come back. I was like, what is that? It, it was the scariest thing. And I mean, it was longer dialogue behind it, but really what it was about is me taking time and not filling my time with things to, to, there was issues obviously that were going on. So not filling my time to ignore the issues and problems, like face them head on by sitting there with myself. And I can tell you right now, being by myself and kind of going out and just maybe having a day to myself, taking a walk or sitting down. I mean, reading a book did not fill my mind too much. It just made me sick because I normally don't watch TV and I don't read um, much at all. And so at that point and doing that made me sit there and like, get to know myself. What kind of books do you like? What kind of things do you really like to do without opinions of anybody else? And at first I didn't like myself at all. Wow. I didn't like the decisions I was making for myself, the health decisions. I didn't like, you know, to me, I felt like I was entrapping myself in like relationships and situations that I didn't really want to be in. Um, And this is with friends. This is with family. And I learned that by way of being by myself. So travel to get to your traveling. Travel has done a lot of that. I traveled. I started traveling by myself. The first trip I went on was to an event in Florida some years ago, years ago. I went to this trip in Florida. It was um, like a model workshop event. Got on the plane, didn't know, you know, anything, anyone. And um, it was a three-day event. And that was the first time. Left my little ones at home with dad. And I, you know, made a long list of all the things he should do. Right. <laughs> to make sure they stayed alive. Right. Um, 
ah, that list never got read, I'm sure. Um, and it was great, though, because I was, you know, being nervous and just letting it go. And but from there, and then I also start doing big, little smaller actually vacations. And so I went to Hawaii by myself and I totally unplugged. And I took a four hour walk one direction and it's not safe, but I hitchhiked back with two ladies who wow. I am still friends with for the last nine years on Facebook because um, I wa- they were like, you walked from where? I was in Maui. You walked from where to here? That far, I was like, it was just the best walk ever. I said, but I don't want to have to go back. <laughs> so <laughs> can I ride with you? I figured any other place to do it in the world would be Hawaii. Right. And, um, but I've been to so many places since then. And I travel with groups now. I travel alone. And then I travel with my um, husband. So we, we do a lot of traveling. And that is my escape. Gotcha. Okay, good. So you found something to escape, to get to know yourself, to actually relax and, and just do some introspection and just have some you time. So that's great to hear now with, okay. So you've got one pregnancy that you're doing at this point, and then you do a second surrogacy. So, wow. And on top of that, we have yet to talk about your Mrs. California petite pageant. Awesome. Awesome. Yes. So yeah, second therapy came about. Um, I was, so I had told the family originally, I knew they had six embryos left. And I said, if you guys are interested, I would be willing to do it. I just want to do it before. I, I think I had like age like 30, 35, 30, something like that. I wanted to, you know, by that time I wanted to be done because, you know, doctors seem to think it's, you know, it's high risk at that point And there's extra complications because there's a lot of paperwork and, and approval, not just from the family, it's the doctors, it's the psychologist, it's the lawyers. There's a lot of things that you have to do with surrogacy. Oh, and yes. so I wanted to just basically get that um, over with and said, you know, one thing I can avoid is maybe the doctor saying I'm too old to do this. And so I said, I'm willing to do it if you do it by the time I'm like 35 years old. Well, right. at 37, they called different life. My life has moved on. I'm doing different things in my life. Um, 37, I moved on. And so the kids, the boys right now, I had two kids by the same family. The boys are right now 10 and then three. Wow. And yeah. And so I, um, you know, given those times in the middle, the mom called and she said, are you still interested and willing? She said, because you are, this is going to kind of go fast. She said, because we're thinking about starting the process. Um, It was so I had two months from the time we talked about it to basically say, I'm going to be pregnant in two months. Um. If you know the transfer worked properly, and so she said, we really started in. I forgot the reason, and her and I have to talk. I forgot the reason why we wanted to. She wanted it to be right then and there, but it it happened. We we made it happen, and in those two months, I was pregnant, and they have a nice baby boy. The first time we transferred two embryos, both stuck, and then there was um, a little complications at the beginning. We lost one early on in the beginning, and this time we put one in, and I was like, is this really gonna work? It worked. They have two amazingly, oh. amazingly cute boys um, in their family so now. So fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that is so cool. Oh my goodness, that is amazing. You've done some wonderful things and created miracles for these families, you know. And and this is yeah. it created happiness and added to families. This is just fantastic. Now let's get into the pageantry. pageantry. Yes, <laughs> pageantry. So pageantry came, I was in my first pageant when I was 14, I was 14 years old when I was in my first pageant. It was the Miss, Cal- Miss Black Sacramento pageant. And it was, I saw a posting from my high school and I thought, you know what? And it had a list of the things like you would learn. You'd learn, um, it's one confidence and there are all these buzzwords that you would learn. You learn um, some etiquette because we did an, an etiquette class, which I had never even thought about doing. 
So um, there's some etiquette, there's learning how to model, because there's a model portion, and then you have your talent portion. And so all that stuff excited me. And so I did that pageant before, and I came in, I was the third runner up to that pageant. Uh, and I had, I said, oh my gosh, next year I do it. And I'm kind of watching, I watched how the sponsorships worked. I watched how um, the, the girls dressed and, and how they performed. Cause I wasn't to me, I was definitely a rough around the edges person. So, and I'm a tomboy at heart. Right. And so to me at that point, I wasn't, when I looked at someone else who you can tell was, was polished, had been in pageantry probably since she was the newborn. Um, when you look at those people and you come, you know, third runner up, you're like, okay. I can do this. Um, and so I was really looking forward to being in the pageant the next year. And they had encouraged that. However, I got pregnant at 15 and had, the, as I mentioned, had the baby at 16. So once you, if you have a, if you're a teen mom, there's no pageantry for that. There's no glorifying that. And so I actually put that to the, um, to the back of my brain from that point on at 15 years old, my, my pageantry life was over in my mind and put that to the side. There was, and then here we go, long behold, um, 2018, uh, I have a director um, that I know we're connected on Facebook. She posted that there's this pageant and she put the age demographics on there and she put um, all the things on there and, and you had to be five, six or under. I am five, six. So I'm like the tallest, you know, out of yeah. five, six or under. It's called the um, Mrs. California Petite Pageant. Um, because being five, six, I was like, I'm signing, I'm going to sign. Um, originally, I was going to sign my daughter up. And so we were talking about that, and um, I said, you know, why wouldn't I do it? Why wouldn't I go forward and do it? My daughter was kind of like, eh, not that interested anyway. Right. So here, long behold, I entered this pageant, and I was a Mrs. California Petite uh, for 2018. My platform was training and education. It goes back to what I've done with the high schools. It goes back to what I've been doing anyway with my training and, and at work even, as far as training and education, because I feel it's important to kind of continue to learn. So I that life learning, you not just learning what you can learn in books, but it's about learning within life. And so that's typically what I do when I go to high school to talk to students about that, as well as college and career fairs to talk to, to talk about um, continuing education. That is fantastic. My goodness. And now let's touch on briefly your entrepreneurship because you do own a company. I do. I do. I'm very happy to say I did that. So after 20 years of being in human resources, I felt like I learned so much. I've done so much, but I also wanted to do something a little bit different. I started getting bored and tired of like the mundane in one, one office. So eight to five, two years, three years, four years, five years. And at the company I was at for 13 years, um, it was time for me to actually branch out and do something differently. So I was sitting after I had the second surrogate baby. I went back to work after that leave of absence. And I sat there in that office and I'm looking out, I had an office, I had a window, but the window was looking into the accounting managers, um, looking at them sitting out there on the floor. And that was my view. Uh, and I sat there and I said, you know what, this, I, I can't do, you know, I can't do this anymore. So you go, you have a, a director of, um, of, excuse me, of human resources and I make great money and I, you know, I'm, I'm working around decent people what is the problem, Tanisha? And, and really it was, I wanted to get out and do something differently. So I started my own HR consulting practice. Now, granted, at that time, I had one person who reached out to me and said, hey, I need someone that can be kind of on call. So to me, that I mean, that, that, was, that was the one thing I left on with that one person saying, I need someone that can help me on call. Can you help me every once in a while? You don't need to leave your job, but can you help me once in a while? And I said, you know what? If someone believes in me, I should believe in myself as well. Right. I can do this. 
And so I let one out. I have my own LLC. I did all the paperwork. I, I mean, racked my brain because I had never done any of this, starting my own business. What do I need to do? What logo design? There were so many things I wanted to do. And at the same time, I'm at the point to where I was basically using depleting savings, trying to figure it out. Right. Um, and I can say the first seven months was the hardest of them all. It was the hardest seven months of them all. I went through all types of emotion. What was I doing? What was I thinking? Um, was I too cocky and feeling like I could have done this by myself and I should have just, you know, sat and stayed or found another job that was, that really made me happy. Right. Um, and it, it, and it took a while. It took some, what I did was I did some mentoring sessions. Um, I, uh, I went to a, a Get Motivated event, and I remember met somebody there, um, Eric Laughlin, amazing guy. I met him there, and I started working with him, and I was like, but I can't afford you, Eric, so what can I do? And so use it, the, what I did was took the tools and practices that he did have. He still posts things, so I used those. And basically, I was saying, how can I get motivated in general and um, when I don't have the finance to pay a really big-time motive, you know, mentor. And really right. was about me finding mentors within my community and people that I knew and trusted and had the vision. Because um, there's your friends, and you can just talk up, you know, how over wine, talk to your friends about anything, and they're just going to laugh and kiki with you and tell you how great you are. But then right. there's those people who will actually invest their time and energy to, like, dissect what you're doing and help you piece together your life. And that's what I needed, and that's what I did. Found, found multiple people. Well, to help out. and that is awesome because I love that you're talking about your journey of your entrepreneurship because people don't, many times they don't realize that we go through so many different emotions in relation to, well, we're not getting the clients, we're not getting paid, we're not having a consistent income, we're drawing from our savings, am I meant to do this? Like everything that you mentioned, I've been through and other people yeah. have been through as entrepreneurs. It is common, but where do you go? And yet you found mentorship because you're right. You're right about this, Tanisha, that when you go to your friends, it's a mutual admiration club. So of course you're going to, you're going to be like, oh yeah, you're doing great. And you're, they're going to say, yeah, yeah, you're doing great. You know, and you're like, okay, I know about that. I have that. That support is great, but now you need mentors. Now you need mentors, but you can't necessarily many times afford them, but you found strategy. You found strategy. You created strategy for yourself to find those mentors. And that's really exciting. So I love that story. And, and that goes into my next question. After reading your bio, after speaking with you, you stated that you were taught if there's a will, there's a way. And mm -hmm. I love that, but I want to know yeah. the strategy you apply in your life to effectively manage all that you have going on. Because you've got to put some things in place to actually strategize your personal and professional life and bring those together because you do have a lot going on. You're a very creative person and you are an entrepreneur and you love life and you want to explore and have adventures. So how, what is your strategy? We had a couple of different strategies. I think the number one strategy was getting to know myself and what I liked and didn't like. And that was what it, I was going back to that counselor. If I hadn't done like everything in my life was purposeful. So going to marriage counseling that then, then turned to my own counseling, because obviously at that point in my mind, I'm saying obviously I didn't need therapy or counseling at before that point. But it was, that's why I always thought like, who goes to therapy for themselves? No, we go to therapy because there's issue with, you know, him. <laughs> Right. And I need the therapist to tell them. Right. And that's what it was about. So it worked out to where having that session and learning if I liked myself and what 
I wanted to do. So my strategy basically was derived from me not knowing what I wanted to do, taking the time, stepping back and slowing down and thinking about what's the best moves at each point in life. Now, granted, did I make all the best moves? Absolutely not. But that's to the point of um, shows that resilience and kind of that will and there's a way. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. Did I strategize? Did I write this all out on a chalkboard and then follow this path? And absolutely not. Right. It was really about every time I hit a wall, turning back around and going the other direction and hit it again. That's okay. Patch myself back up and, and moving on. It, it was about not giving up and understanding that I had kids. I had five kids that were looking at me, you know, three of them. I was a single mom, mom for, you know, for many years. And then um, I had these other two um, that I had, you know, looking at me the same way, like, well, what are we all doing? You have us all now. What are we doing? Um, and I also wanted to show them, like me going to school, my drive to go to school and then go to school and finish quickly was because I wanted to finish before they were at the point to where they should have been in college. So my daughter was approaching high school, for instance. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to like double up on classes or something because she, she was actually already in high school. She was in uh, ninth grade at the time. She was a freshman. And I said, if I don't finish this, by the time I get out, she and I both will be in college together. Right. Let me finish. <laughs> Right. So my strategy came with, you know, um, it came kind of one of the things like it was, I can't, I can't say sporadic, but it came as things went along. I didn't force the bill. And I think a lot of people always tell, you know, have a plan, have a two-year plan. What's your three-year plan? And I can tell you right now, I can plan that, but I will be disappointed myself personally. I would disappoint myself. Because right. now I'm not sticking to that plan. I'm actually, there's so many different things I know will come in, in the middle that you got to just go to a different route that I don't try to plan a, a normal course of action. I know where I want to be. And that is successful. That is um, respectful to myself and others. That's um, a volunteer. That's, me, that's an entrepreneur. So those key things I do know. How to get there, we're, we're still learning. Absolutely. And, and I'm an entrepreneur. I've been doing it for three years now and I, and it's going well. I love it. I love the ups and downs of it now where before it scared all, um, <laughs> everything in me, every hair in me right. before, but I love it now. Well, and this is the thing too, that I hear from you is one, even though you may not have had that concrete strategy, you had a personal vision for yourself. And when, if you stuck to that vision and your values, that would drive you, number one, mm -hmm. to where you wanted to be. Number two, you're resilient. And what does that mean? Many times we have both learned and innate resiliency. Some of us have more one area than the other, and some of us have equal shares. And you do really well. You're innately and learned, you've learned resiliency. You've learned ways to overcome things. And you've gotten yeah. yourself back up. And I think many times if you can get back up, that's the biggest part of the challenge, which makes me want to ask you a couple of other questions that I've, I have in front of me. So I want you to tell me one of your most challenging situations what, and why and how you got back up. Oh, gosh, how, where, that's a, where do I start again? Um, <laughs> I think in every, every aspect of what I've, my decisions that I've made, I have, um, there was challenge. I, I guess I would say I created the challenges um, for myself. Um, I think that one of the challenges for myself, I was having kids. I mean, having three kids and not having a committed relationship was a huge challenge for myself. And basically um, I had to kind of, I was expecting other people, expecting the father 
to kind of step up to the plate. And I fought that for years. I mean, I would say three years I'm fighting back and forth. Look, we have these kids, we have to do this. And I had these expectations built up in my mind. And so the challenge was the expectations that I had. And once I let those expectations go and figured, you know what, I can't expect this person to do what they're supposed to do. I can only do what I'm supposed to do. I made the decision as well. And I think, um, I have some young people that come to me all the time and they have sort of the same situations and they have expectations and I try to encourage them, but I also know how hard it was to encourage myself, but I try to encourage them not to um, hold people to those same standards and expectations that you hold for yourself. And it's okay not to. Right. Because I feel good at the end of the day when I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Absolutely. Right? And that, and that, and that was one of the, I mean, it's, I don't know, it might be a softer challenge, but that was one of the challenges that I really fought with myself, the expectations and the expectations came from everything else, expectations from a, um, a company, you know, working at a company and expecting them to see your worth and expecting them to give them the money you feel like you're worth and being upset because they didn't give it to you. I, I went through that. I went through that more than once until I realized that it was up to me. And I learned that through like being in school and working with other people and having a really good um, professor at one time who was, um, he's a world traveler, really good guy, teaches at Stanford, but he was teaching at the school I was at. Um, he was teaching a marketing, a global marketing class. <clears throat> and um, his teachings didn't just t- teach global marketing. It was really about just culture, culture, like knowing yourself, culture sensitivity, and then um, kind of working from that. And I remember him saying to me, you have, you are in control. Yes, you're at that company, you're at that job, but when you are ready to go, you will move on and leave. He said, at the very least, the value of them training and teaching you should be enough. And so I'm going to give you an example of it. And this is what I, this is my example I've drawn from this. Here's an example of it. If you're in a position and you feel like you're doing more work and you should you need more money, you're doing more work, you're looking at job descriptions and the, the job description for a senior, whatever this is, looks like the job you're doing and you're only an admin, but you're doing all the work. And I'm looking at multiple job descriptions and I'm seeing this and I show my boss and I show them that these people are making more money and this is what they're doing. What I'm saying by that, what I get from that is great. That is amazing. So now when you look for another position, you have all this stuff on your resume that no one can take away from you. That's that training. No one can take away. My mother always taught me one thing no one can take away from is your education. Um, You have all this stuff. Use that as your platform to say, hey, I've been doing this work already. This is my title, but I've been doing this work already. That's going to leverage you onto this next position. Because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for people who have actually done the work. If you've done it, great. You just were at a company that paid you to train you to get to the next level. Think of it like that. And maybe that's one of those things, just thinking, you know, outside of the box. They just trained you. Great. Now it's time for you to move on when you decide. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I get that. And I love the idea of expectations what you've explained Mm -hmm. about expectations and not having expectations of others. You can have expectations of yourself, but you certainly are going to set yourself up for failure sometimes if you in fact have those expectations of others. So many times you have to just reframe and think of how do I utilize what I've learned and what I've gained from these people to take on to my next step. Absolutely. That is a great summary because that is exactly, exactly what it is. And it, it's been helping me a lot along the way. I will use every opportunity for, to learn something new and be able to advance to the next level. Love it. Now, I have two more questions for you. Tell me one of your most rewarding situations and why. 
I think the rewarding situation that I'm really experiencing right now is now that I have three adult children. So I have a 24-year-old, a 20-year-old, an 18-year-old who are adults. The younger two are, are um, 14 and 12. But I have these three adults, and I've heard from each of them, and the younger ones will get there, but I've heard from each of them how proud they are of me. And to hear that now is amazing. Now, granted, I felt like they just took me for granted. And I kind of was one of those kids are so evil. Oh my gosh, you're so mean. <laughs> they don't appreciate you. And I went through that um, for a while. I went through that off and on because I hadn't heard it. I'm like, what are you learning from me? What did I teach you? Me going to college and not teach you anything because my daughter did not want to go to traditional college. Right. She's like, I don't want to do it. I'm going to do a training program. My son, he went to college and left for a little bit. Luckily, he's back in. My younger daughter, who's 18, she's like, no, I want to take the year off. And I was like, what? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you guys, were. Not, this is not what I had set up in my mind for you. Um, but the most rewarding thing is when I, when I sit down there and talk to them or I see things that they do that are things that I know I taught them, that I know I taught They're very respectful. My kids are all respectful. They're, you know, they're pleasing. Thank you. Welcome to your house. How can I help you? They are very, really great kids. And I know I had a lot to do with that. They're, um, most of them, most of them love volunteering. My son, you could not get him to volunteer at this stage of your life. Um, but most of them, you know, I wouldn't, I couldn't even give him that one. But um, most of them are really into helping out other people. So if I do an event, they're like ready to go. Hey, I'm going to be volunteering. You guys want to go? They could say no. I'm, I'm at a picnic volunteer. Do you want to go? And they're ready to go. They're like, what are we wearing? Are we dressing alike? Those things are rewarding to me because it shows that my kids did learn something from me. They didn't take the things I wanted them to do, you know, and follow my path. Right. They did what they wanted to do. That's rewarding. That is awesome. That is so cool. I love that because you absolutely, absolutely see what you've modeled and they're projecting that out into the world. And that's so cool. So my last question is going to be, if you were to leave the listeners with some words of wisdom, what would they be? I know you've given a lot already, but if you were to sum this up, what words of wisdom could you offer the listeners? Okay. Um, well, I started off with expectations, but I will also say, um, not leaving uh, anything on the table unsaid. I think that's one of the things that I had to learn for myself. I used to hold my tongue for a lot of things and I didn't speak up. And speaking up to me, then I would have said some things I needed not to say, but I had to learn how to professionally speak up myself. So I would say, never leave things on the table. So your dreams, desires, ambitions, don't leave those on the table. Be able to speak up for yourself and advocate for yourself. I think that's going to be number one. And that will start you onto a beautiful path of freedom of your own voice. Yay. I love that. Thank you so much, Tanisha, for joining me on the Core Women podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is great. Thank you so much. I appreciate you for taking the time to ask these questions. Absolutely. Thank you. If you would like to know more about Tanisha Smith, please follow her on Instagram at the underscore T dot Smith dot experience on Facebook at The Real HR Ninja Consulting and at our website at www.thetsmithexperience.com. If you need a strategic empowerment coach, contact me. If you want to tell your story of empowerment or how you have reconstructed your life to drive change, send me a video or an email of your story providing permission to use it on my social media platforms. If you want to be featured on my podcast, reach out to me at info at corewomen.com. I want to hear from you and to get to know you. You are now part of the Core Women Home. Let's get to know each other. Let's learn from one another. Please follow Core Women on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
please let your women friends know about this podcast. If you write about core women in your social media posts, please hashtag core women. This is all about women. Thank you for taking the time to learn more about core women and please stay tuned for continued growth of the core women movement. Let's grow and drive change together. 